welcome to Further Africa's Last Week, a weekly news roundup of the most read articles over at furtherafrica.com. I'm Rafael Carvalho, and today I'll be joined by Lucas Continentino. Hi, Lucas. How are you today? I'm great, Rafael. How about you? Good. Thank you. So for this episode, we have selected five of our most read news, as opposed to four from last week's. Top five indeed has a nicer ring to it, but bear in mind that each episode may differ in terms of the amount of news we choose to review. For now, top five it is. Before that, though, a quick reminder that you can email us on lastweek at furtherafrica.com. Send us your suggestions, ideas, news leads on all things Africa. Remember that all of us at Further Africa understand and acknowledge the bright future that's on the horizon for the African continent. Let us share that vision for the world to see. With that said, we'll move on to our top five. This news referred to the week of July 26th to August 2nd. The links to all the articles discussed here will be in the podcast description. Lucas, once again, glad to have you on board. Our fifth most read news is the announcement of the top 50 finalists of this year's Africa's Business Heroes competition, or ABH for short. ABH is a philanthropic program set up by Jack Ma's foundation, that's Jack Ma as in the founder of the Alibaba Group. This initiative seeks to reward African entrepreneurs who are making a difference in their community through outstanding business vision, innovation, leadership, amongst many other virtues, really. They have a chance to pitch their business ideas to the judging panel for a shot at the $1.5 million prize pool that is to be awarded. These 50 finalists announced were selected from over 22,000 applicants. These are the broad strokes, so I'll let Lucas come in with finer details. Thank you, Rafael. I think the most interesting thing about this article is just how it highlights the importance of the diversity that is present within this competition. Like you right. see, the overwhelming majority of actually 50% of the candidates are women. And it is great to see the ascension of female entrepreneurs in Africa. And also, if we look at the average age, we see that at 37 years old, it is actually much lower than expected. And we have candidates that are as young as 22 years old. This was one of the greatest news of the week indeed. Perfect, Lucas. Very good points. I totally agree. Gender equality and inclusion should always be advocated for. Great. So let's continue then to number four. Well, Lucas, our fourth most read news article was actually written by you. So I'm now twice as glad that you're here. It pertains to the rising Chinese foreign direct investment directed to Africa, most specifically Southern Africa. That's Chinese investment seeing its way into a variety of sectors, including infrastructure and most notably oil and gas. You also touch upon a hot topic right now, which is the China-US so-called trade war, or as per the title of your article, African impact of the Sino-American trade war. Lucas, tell us, what did your research about this subject bring to light? Indeed, Rafael, it's very interesting to see that this fight has not been going on since President Trump took office on 27, early 2017, late 2016. It actually has been going on way back since 2008 when we see an increase in Chinese investments uh, going to Southern Africa. And this number since then has only been increasing. And 
well, why, while some people might question uh, this Chinese strategy, maybe to get more control of the natural wealths, as I underline in this article, I believe Correct. that it is a great opportunity finally to see some investment diversity, not only in Southern Africa, but Africa as a whole, which is a continent that has great potential and all it needs is just a little bit of a push from FDI. Now on to number three. This one is about Angola and makes reference to the Luanda Bengo special economic zone and its role, like that of any successful SEZ, of diversifying the Angolan economy by facilitating the foreign direct investment, thus creating a multinational business industrial cluster, which in turn initiates a cycle where you create more employment, increase exports, and improve national production, consequently decreasing imports. So. The reasoning behind this is very solid, I would say. Lucas, what's your angle regarding special economic zones? Well, Rafael, ex exclusive economic zones, they're really important for a country's economy. We can see in the article that not only it is a great impact for the, uh, the Luanda Bengu region, but also yes. for the entire Angolan economy. We can see there are many benefits granted to investors, uh, including administrative and custom procedures, la uh, labor specializations, and also uh, special tax and customs benefits. How about you, Rafael? What do you believe about these exclusive economic zones? Yes, uh, actually, I would like to take a wider view of this recent surge of industrial parks, free trade zones, and SEZs in Africa as a whole, not just in Angola. I recently came across a very comprehensive book published by the World Bank and a few other partners. In this book, and I'll put a link to it in the description, by the way, uh, it's free, it's a free PDF. They focus precisely on whether Africa should learn from, uh, well, China yet again, a country that experienced huge economic growth for the better part of the last 40 years, and in large part due to the use of special economic zones. So I, I know I'm taking too much time already, but uh, I'll just say that uh, in this book, they assessed whether a special economic zone is successful after taking into consideration three main factors. Number one, static economic outcomes, which is perceptible in the short term. That's where you start seeing foreign investment, job creation, exports. And this is happening right now in the case of Luanda Bengo. Uh, number two, which is dynamic economic outcomes, meaning technology transfer integration, domestic economy felt over the medium term. And number three, which is socioeconomic outcomes largely long-term, and it reflects on the quality of jobs created and gender equality impact, amongst other things. So I thought that was very interesting, and I believe Africa should pursue fine-tuning these policies regarding SEZs to the reality and strengths of the continent. That's my take on it, anyway. But let's now go over to our second most read news article, which is called Death of the Dollar, What's in it for Africa? Coming in the heels of poor political decisions from most of the Western countries in the globe, the recent plunge of the US GDP costing it some 11 years of growth, now the dollar is falling, day in, day out. Anything that falls soon will have to crash, right Lucas? What do you make of it? Indeed, Rafael. What's very, um, what's very alarming about this news is that in the beginning we get the data that the US accounted for 15% of the global GDP 
on yes. 2018, and it is expected to fall approximately 2% in the period of four years. And this is very big news when we consider that because of this whole COVID outbreak going on, the global pandemic, the entire global uh, GDP is expected to decrease or exactly. de-accelerate from the 3% that we have been seeing for the past 10, 15 years to about 1.8, 2.2%, depending on who you ask. And actually what's more alarming about this is the amount of people that on these past last months have been shorting on the United States dollar. Correct. Um, no one seems to be worried about the falling of the dollar. Everybody talks about the British pound and the euro, but nobody talks about that. And it's very alarming because everything that falls, as you said, is going to crash. Yeah. And once the dollar breaks the $80 index, then yes. we're going to be getting to global crash standards. Uh, I think the crashes are going to be worse than the ones that we have seen in 2008. And this first crash that we had in 2020 was just a, the tip of the iceberg, as most people try to explain it. The worst thing that's about to, to come is that if this dollar mark breaks 80 on the index and we see other uh, kind of stocks also going below their threshold, even some like big S&P 500 companies, if we see their value again going below, then it's going to be looking very bad for the United States economy and as a whole for the entire world economy. So we're going to be seeing a lot of Russian economics uh, going into play, a lot of Chinese economics going into play, and also everybody that that's good in the bond markets, you're going to be seeing a lot of people buying the, uh, the United States uh, longer maturity bonds. Let's now move on to more hopeful sentiments, which brings us to our number one. The most read news on furtherafrica.com over the week was, unsurprisingly, our exclusive interview with Mozambique's finance minister, Adriano Maliani. Before you comment, Lucas, uh, I would like to point out that the finance minister is very particular regarding who he gives interviews to. The fact that he agreed to talk to us speaks volumes to our work here at Further Africa. And by that, I mean he understands we are all about portraying Africa in a good light. By those standards, I guess we've been succeeding. Now, in the interview itself, he describes some of the challenges he had to face when he took office, such as the sovereign debt in 2015, the commodities crisis in 2016. He then goes on to detail how they approached those challenges, the government's strategies for development in order to capitalize on Mozambique's LNG economic potential, the creation of a Mozambican sovereign wealth fund. So, Lucas, what else can you add? What is great about this interview is the fact that Mr. Maliani gave an interview, in fact, uh, and it's a great honor to have this interview being part of our magazine. And yes, I think the greatest thing that comes to mind when we're talking about Mozambique in 2018, 19, and even in the turbulent year of 2020 is 
just the investments, the the huge tsunami of investments that the country has received in this past two or three years uh, directed towards natural gas. And it is great to see uh, the economy reflourishing again and how these almost $15 billion in investments can be so crucial to developing a sustainable economy to Mozambique. And also, it is great to see uh, also in other news uh, with Mr. Maliani here, when he talks about um, restructuring uh, the debt of, of the country and also implementing an effective uh, economic policy in order to take the country that was basically almost broke in exactly. 2014, yep. 2015, and putting it to a global standard of a country that it's growing through a global crisis. So it is really impressive to see this news. And I am just really happy for the entire country. And what a great job Mr. Maliani is doing to the country's economy. Perfect. Uh, that's no easy feat indeed. So, Lucas, I would like to thank you for your time here with us today. I thank you, Rafael. Thank you for this great opportunity. And I hope I could share uh, some very important additions to the great articles that we have seen this week. Yes, you sure did, Lucas. Thank you once again. Have a good day. All right. And that wraps up the second episode of Further Africa's last week. Please share, subscribe and review us on your favorite podcast platform. All of us at Further Africa wish you a great week. This is Rafael Carvalho signing off. Until next time.